are so excited to be with you today. Thank you, Pastors Joe and Misty, for having us to come in. We appreciate you, love you, and thank God for your our friendship and your ministry. And and also, uh, we we see that there. We just saw we caught it online last week. Congratulations and twenty four years of celebration. Amen. Come on, that's that's a great thing. Celebrating twenty four years, and we just celebrate that with you. Praise God. And uh, we're, we're happy to be here. Praise the Lord. I do want to introduce my lovely wife, Bonnie, and have her come up here. Uh, well, I'll come over here then. You coming up here? Let me see. Hallelujah. We met at, we met at uh, Farham Junior College up in Farham, Virginia. We actually have our youth camps up there now. That's where the camp's been coming here. Uh, but we met on registration day. We were registering our classes in August of 1973. Hallelujah. And so after she chased me all over the campus for about a month, <laughs> I finally agreed to go out with her. No, I'm just <laughs> Maybe I chased her. But anyway, we got... Yeah, amen. But uh, we dated through junior college and then then I went to uh, I know it's it's a bad word here with Appalachian State but with, I went to East Tennessee State and played football there for a couple of years and we got married in 1975 August of 75 so we've been celebrating 47 years praise God amen so it's real funny we get married in August of 75, and I'm training to be a teacher and a coach. I'd, that'd been my dream from the time I was in high school. I found an old paper that I'd written about what I was going to do, and I was going to be a teacher and a coach. And so Bonnie thought, you know, I'm happy. I'm going to marry a teacher and a coach. Hallelujah. And so uh, and we even talked about it. She goes, I'm so glad you're going to be a teacher and a coach. I'd never want to be a pastor's wife or anything like that. So we get married in 75, then in April of 76, I got licensed with the Baptist Church. Hallelujah. <laughs> so uh, then we've been doing it ever since. And you know, what's so funny is this, we were, we were playing college ball and going to school, and then uh, we were going to the Baptist Church, and then I got, uh, we, we got licensed there with the Baptist, and we became youth ministers there at the, the Baptist Church. And then uh, later on, 1977, after we graduated, uh, got a hold of a book by Kenneth Hagin called Seven Vital Steps, Receiving the Holy Ghost. Got filled with the Holy Ghost, got left foot of fellowship from the Southern Baptist Church. Hallelujah. Amen. No, we, we still have got a lot of good friends in the Southern Baptist Church. Praise God. We like them whether they like us or not. But uh, <laughs> we didn't come over amongst the Pentecostals. We came over amongst the Charismatics. Hallelujah. And what's the funniest is this, I'll tell you something about my wife. She was, you know, we, we go to Ramah. And we, were, we came out of the Baptist church, you know. We didn't do all this crazy stuff you people do. But, uh, <laughs> but we were in, they were having orientation, and we was there the first day, and, and they had the praise team up there, and they're singing, and, and people, and this one uh, lady that she was a student, she got to praise God and kicked her foot, went, shoe went up in the air. And, and, and I'm standing there, and we're kind of praising God with them, and I felt like my hand was going to sleep. What's wrong with my hand? I looked over, and Bonnie has a death grip on my arm. She's squeezing the circulation out of it. And I leaned over to her, and I said, I said, what is wrong? 
She goes, where have you brought me to, and what are these people doing? So I gave her a really good theological answer. I looked at her with all quiet and calm and said, I don't know what they're doing. I don't have a clue. But if we'll act like they're doing and do what they're doing, they won't know that we don't know what they're doing, <laughs> and it'll be okay. And now she's the one of them that everybody says, what's she doing? Hallelujah. That's right. Because she's a praiser. But we, we've enjoyed. Thank you for letting us be here. And uh, we had a great service, and we're going to uh, be sharing the word here in a few moments. But uh, before we do, the Lord's blessed. Uh, I've put out a few books. We've got some other things. Also, you can go on uh, DarrellHuffman.org. We've got a website. And we've downloaded as many. We're putting more and more of our messages on there. And it's free. You can listen to them, download them. If you like uh, our teaching, you can go on there and, and uh, just listen to whatever. Praise God. We, we just want to get the word out. Amen. But uh, I was teaching at a CES years ago at, at uh, Rama, and I taught a message on faith or frustration. And Pastor Hagen said, uh, people really like that. Daryl, why don't you go ahead and put that in a book? And so I did. And he said, it's not, not enough for a book. And so I, I got a bunch of other messages. And they published it and put it together. This is a really thorough teaching on faith in this one. Uh, I did a series on the miracle of the seed. You know, you got to make God your source. You got to plant your seed. And then you got to believe God for your harvest. Amen. He's the harvester. Uh, no longer two but one is the oldest book that I have. Uh, it's on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. We put that together to help people. Uh, because when I was growing up, if you did go through a divorce, whether you're with fault or not, it's the unpardonable sin, and you're marked, your kids are marked, and everything else is marked, and, and I had a little experience in that because, like I shared first service, my mom was a, uh, she was divorced, remarried, and, and I was, you know, raised by my stepfather, so therefore, we went through it, so I thought, there's got to be more, more to this than that, so that's what that's from. Uh, discovering God's will and God's way. Hallelujah. Uh, you'll like this one. It's very practical. Two W's of faith. And that is this. You've got to know God's will, and then you've got to know God's way. God's will is brought to us through his word. God's way is given us through the Holy Spirit, by the leading of the Spirit. And here's the thing. You have to have them both working because you cannot override the unction of the Holy Spirit with your confession. If the Holy Spirit tells you don't do it, you can say, I can do it in Jesus' name all day long, and you're going to fall off, okay? So you have to be led by the Spirit and do it according to the Word. And it's really good basic teaching on how to do that. Reviving your passion. Uh, we put this together, reviving your passion for God, uh, receiving the anointing of the Holy Spirit, re reviving the gifts and talents that God gave you, and reviving your passion for the harvest to be a soul winner. So we brought those, praise God, and uh, they're out there. Help yourself. Praise God. Amen. A friend of mine used to say, go by the table and pick up one of the books. Make sure you pay for it. We'd have to, hate to have to arrest you for stealing. But uh, no, I don't say that, though. He said that. Praise God. But uh, we're, we're just happy to be here today. We know some folks here for sure. Praise God. Mike, Michael Cain and different ones. And uh, go Dolphins. Praise God. Well, <laughs> Amen. I used to get on him all the time for that. Praise God. But uh, this morning, let's set ourselves in a faith and agreement. You know, you've got a great pastor and, and great teaching here. And we thank God for them. And honor you, Pastor. Just, just wonderful pastors, praise God. And so he plants 
the word in you, and I'm just going to come along and water it this morning. Amen? Is that good? And I'm not going to go too long. You know why? Because blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be asked to come again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So let's pray and get into the word of God. Father, we thank you now and praise you for the truth of the word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking into our lives. Lord, I pray for every ear to be open here and every eye open to see. Father, we just come against any distracting things and set our attention upon those things which are above. And Holy Spirit, we trust you to bring truth and revelation knowledge into our hearts. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Lord, we trust you to grant to us utterance that we'll speak accurately and boldly and profoundly the truth of the word of God. And bring forth your divine will, plan, and purpose through inspired teaching and preaching. And Lord, we thank you in advance for working with us and confirming your word. For we give you praise, glory, and honor and receive it so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to look in your Bibles or your instrument of Scripture. Praise God. I always say that because people have phones, iPads, and everything else. Praise the Lord. But uh, any way you're reading the Bible is good. Amen. But let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 14. And the Apostle Paul, you know, he's, he's written two letters to the Corinthians. And if you go do a little study on the Corinthian church, uh, you know, it was a, a, a heavily populated area of trade. There was a lot of different things coming in, uh, a lot of different uh, things hit their society, a lot of sin, a lot of, of occultism, a lot of uh, crazy stuff went on in that area. And he goes in and, and he gets a church planted and people start coming in. But how many of you know, just because you get born again, you aren't perfect yet? Anybody found out that you've still got some growing to do? And, and, you know, Paul even wrote to him and he said, you know, I wanted to teach you a little deeper things. He said, but you're still carnal. <laughs> and he said, you need this, you know, you, 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 you're still struggling in the flesh. And, and so he, he, he writes all these things, trying to help them to, to grow into the Christians that God wants them to be. And, you know, every one of us, that should be our desire. Amen. And, and, and in fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he's finishing up over there and he says, he says, awaken unto righteousness. He said, I'm praying that you'll wake to righteousness. Wake up to who you are in Christ. Amen. He said, if you'll wake into righteousness, you'll not sin. You'll not live in sin because you can't walk in righteousness with God and walk in sin in the world. Amen. And so, so he says, you know, you, and he says, and some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to you, shame. In other words, he's saying, here you are, born again, spirit-filled, going to church, and you haven't got the revelation of who you are in Christ yet. And so then he writes a second letter to him. And in this second letter, he begins to speak to him in this fifth chapter. He begins to talk to him about understanding that, that, that there is a, a, a world after this. And we're going to stand before the Lord. Amen. Life after death, praise God. And we walk by faith and not by sight, knowing that, if, that, that when we finish this off, we're going to go be with the Lord. Amen. And so he's teaching them that your Christianity wasn't just a trip to the altar. And it's not just a short, temporary time. It's an eternal commitment to Christ Jesus. Amen. You made a commitment to be a citizen of the kingdom of God and Jesus to be your Lord forever and ever and ever. Praise God. And he says, and right now, even though sometimes things don't go your way and things are hitting you, he says, we walk by faith and not by sight. We refuse to let the world stop us from living with the eternal perspective that we're children of God. Amen. I'm not going to let my senses determine my life. I'm going to let my faith in Christ determine my life. Amen. I'm not going to be ruled by the world. I'm going to be ruled by my walk with God. And so Paul is writing to them, and he gets down here in this 14th verse, 
And, and he says, for the love of Christ compels us because we've judged this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, let's stop there for a moment and just, just recap what he's saying. He's saying, I'm speaking, I'm compelled by love. Love is constraining me. Love is urging me to speak to you. And I'm not doing this to put you down. I'm not doing this to bring guilt to you. I'm not doing this to get you to, to feel bad and maybe I'm not measuring up. Paul says, because I love you, I'm compelling you. I'm, I'm constrained. I'm put in a place where I'm going to encourage you to really know who you are in Christ. Amen? And he says, and here's the thing you have to get a hold of. If one died for all, Jesus, if Jesus died for all, and you accept that death, and you accept what he did on Calvary's cross, and you died with him, amen? amen? Then he says, you are no longer to live like you lived before you receive that in your life. Amen? amen? Paul is writing to them, and he's saying, no longer identify with your past. Amen? amen? You're not an old sinner saved by grace. You can't be that. You're either an old sinner or you're a saved by grace. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. And you see, this is what Paul is saying to them. He's saying you need to get the revelation now. If you're going to walk in the fullness of who you are in Christ, and if you're going to live, you're going to have to get the revelation that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, that you are a brand new species of being that never existed before, and that God has done something marvelous in your life, and you are no longer to relate yourself to who you were before Christ. Now you are to relate yourself to who you are now in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen? That gets rid of insecurity because I am no longer that insecure person that was running around here and didn't believe in himself before he made Jesus Lord because that person died on Calvary's cross. That person went to hell. That person defeated the devil and insecurity down in hell and rose up in Christ Jesus victorious and more than a conqueror. And now I can overcome all things because I don't relate to that anymore. I relate to greater is he that's in me than he that's against me. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to live in insecurity. I'm not going to live in doubt, fear, worry, condemnation, unworthiness. I don't care what the world is saying to me. I'm walking by faith, and I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so Paul is, is really just, just speaking to the church to move over into the revelation of who you are now, not who you were then. Used to be pastor, whenever we'd have testimony times, it would, we, well, I used to call them topper times. Because somebody would get up and they'd take 15 minutes and 14 and a half minutes was telling you how bad they were. And then the last 30 seconds was, but then Jesus saved me. Hallelujah. That's not a testimony. I don't want to know what all you were. Because the next person got up and took 15 minutes and they were worse than you. You think you were bad. I was double bad. <laughs> no, a testimony is not, I was this, I was this. You know, Paul writes, and, and he says, you know what? He tells them, he says, yes, I did do these things, and I did do these things. But then he writes to another person. He says, but receive us. We wrong no man. 
Now, how could a man who knew that he wronged people write to another group and say, I've wronged nobody? Because the person he was talking to back here was pre-Christ. The person that he was talking about has done no wrong is in Christ. Amen? So he didn't have to operate in the condemnation of his past because he knew that was under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so Paul is writing to you and me today, and in the hour we're living in, more than ever before, we need to begin to identify ourselves as new creations in Christ Jesus. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a citizen of God. Amen? Hallelujah. And what did he say in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10? He said, by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves and not of works, lest any man should boast. And then he goes on, he says what? He says this, and we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Whoa, that's who you are, amen? And that's who Paul is wanting these Corinthians to get a hold of and, and, and walk in. And that's what God is speaking to you and me today, amen? Because right now the world wants to shut us up. The world wants to make us irrelevant. The world wants to make us religious. But I refuse to let the world mold me and determine who I am and determine what I say and determine what I believe and how I live because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus and I died with Christ, I was raised with Christ, and I live with Christ, and I'm going to walk in Christ. Amen? And that's who I am. That's my identity. That's me, praise God. And you have to get a hold of that if you're going to walk in victory in this hour. Praise the Lord. Now let's read on. Let's keep on down here. Look in verse 18. He says, now all things are of God. Notice he doesn't someday all things are going to be of God. He says, now all things are of God. Right now, the moment you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, all things that God is becomes yours, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What's he saying? He's saying, you need to get the revelation right now that you're in Christ, and that you have been reconciled to God. One translation says you've been brought back into harmony with God. Another translation says you've been brought into favor with God. Hallelujah. Now, what's that mean? That means that I can walk into the presence of God without fear, condemnation, insecurity. I can walk before God in his presence as though I belong there. Amen? I'm a child of God. See, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, and he says this. He says, God didn't give us a spirit of slavery and bondage and fear, but he gave us the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Hallelujah. You know, my kids, you know, they're, they're, they're both grown. I have a son and a daughter, and they're, and they're, they're in the ministry, and, and we thank God for what he's doing. But uh, whenever uh, we were, they were young, that, you know, I, if I was having a meeting, my daughter especially. Girls seem to take more advantage than boys sometimes. They grow, they, they learn faster. But anyway, uh, my daughter especially, you know, we'd be having a meeting. And my daughter would come in and open the door of the office. And she'd look at me and I'd go, what do you need? She goes, oh, I need this. And she'd just come in and get it. And then come over and give me a hug and go out. Amen. Now, how could she get by with that? She's my daughter. And she knew she was my daughter. And she had no condemnation whatsoever doing that. She had no insecurity in doing that. She was just as absolutely sure that she could come do that as if she was going to get her next meal. Amen? Hallelujah. But you know one of the things that helped me? 
When I had my 60th birthday, they had a big special uh, thing for me, and she came up, and the family was there, and they kind of did a big surprise. And one of the things that blessed me the most was this. My daughter, she said, you know, one of the things my daddy never did that really blessed me so much? He never made me compete with you. And, he, and she talked about the leaders and the other measures. She said, I always had access to him no matter what was going on. I want to tell you something, folks. The thing we should most appreciate about our Heavenly Father is we don't have to compete with anybody to get his attention. He loves each and every one of us, and his door is always open. Come on. And you see, that's what Christ is doing in our lives. That's what Paul is trying to get these Corinthians to get. And that's what he's teaching you and me, that we have such a relationship with God that he has reconciled us and brought us back into harmony with him. Amen. And we have boldness and confidence and assurance to approach the very throne of God today and know that he is there for us. And if we ask anything according to his will, through his word, he's going to hear us and he's going to give it to us. Hallelujah. So that gets rid of the guilt, condemnation, inferiority, I'm not worthy, I can't measure up. And all of a sudden, we begin to just hook up with what God says we are. We walk in who we are in Christ. Amen? Now, let's read on. He goes on and he says this in verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors. We're representatives for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him, Jesus, to be who knew no sin, to be sin for us, our sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Now, what is Paul saying to you and me? He's saying that you and I are now in right standing with God through the righteousness that's in Christ Jesus. Because the same righteousness that Jesus has with the Father, you and I have that same righteousness operating in us now. Amen? Why? Because Christ's righteousness became my righteousness. So he says, what is righteousness? My rights and privileges as a son and daughter of Almighty God. Amen? And this is the thing. If Jesus became sin for me, I don't have to carry that sin around or pay for it myself because it's already been paid for. Did you notice up there when he was, we was speaking before, he said that even though we've known Christ in the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer? You know what Paul is saying to the church? He's saying, would you please get past Jesus being a babe in the manger? Come on, Christmas coming up, and we're about to get in... in Okay. But listen to me, folks. It's good to understand that, yes, Jesus was born a babe in the manger, but he's not a babe in the manger today. Well, how do you see Jesus? Oh, he was that, uh, the servant walking the shores of Galilee and healing the sea. Well, that's a wonderful way to know Jesus. Read the Gospels. It's wonderful. But you've got to understand something. That is not how we know Jesus now. Paul says, even though we knew him in the flesh, Paul says, yeah, we knew him as that babe in the manger. Yes, we knew him as the teacher. Yes, we knew him as the miracle worker. But we no longer know him like that. How do we know the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ? We have to know him like, like John did on the Isle of Patmos there in Revelation 1. Man, when he appeared and his voice was like thunder, hallelujah, and he turned and he was glorious and powerful and anointed. See, today I don't recognize and relate to Jesus as the babe in the manger. I recognize and relate to Jesus Christ as the Christ. 
Christ, the anointed one, the Lord God most high, the one who is reigning over heaven, earth, and hell. Hallelujah. Come on, church. When you begin to associate and re- get your revelation of Jesus, that his name is above every name, and that he is Lord, and if the Lord be for me, who can be against me? You become bold. Your faith gets strong. Man, you stand in the face of the storm. You say, greater is he that's in me than he that's against me. Jesus is Lord, and I'm under his authority. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Paul is trying to take the church from a sin consciousness and a weakness consciousness to a righteousness consciousness and a bold consciousness and a place of authority and power, not a place of weakness and just barely getting along. Are you hearing me? But you've got to come out of what you were so you can come in to who you are. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Whenever you you get ready to pray and the enemy says, well, you can't pray. You know what you were. You need to say, no, devil. The Bible says that God is no longer counting those things against me. He's not imputing my trespasses. And the Bible says in Isaiah 43 that God has chosen not to remember my sins or transgressions. So if God doesn't remember it and God isn't counting it up and God isn't bringing it up, who are you to bring it up? No, I'm going to think like God thinks. I see me as a new creation in Christ Jesus, not as an old sinner that used to be bound up in you. Are you hearing me? Oh, the, 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 you know, this body may still be the same body, Mr. Devil, but the guy living on the inside of him is a new creation in Christ Jesus. And just because the body may look like that body that did those things, it's controlled by a different person now. And this person's under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And he's not going to operate in your condemnation. He's not going to operate in your guilt. He's not going to operate in your insecurity. He's not going to operate in your unworthiness. He's going to operate in who he is in Christ. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. Amen. Unlimited victories. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Come on. Let's let's look over at another place. Let me take you to another place Paul's getting this out. Look in Colossians chapter 1. Look in this first chapter of Colossians. You know, Paul's already spoken to the the church of Colossae, and he's told them about, you know, I've heard of your faith and and all the great things and your love and all this stuff. And then he gets to that ninth verse, and he says, you know, I'm going to pray for you that God will fill you with the knowledge of his will so you can walk worthy. And, you know, and he's ministering to them because he's wanting them to go beyond I got saved to living who they are in Christ. Are you hearing me? See, a lot of us, our problem is we came through the door and just sat down. Amen. Jesus said, I'm the door. Remember? And so we get born again. Hallelujah. I remember Bonnie and I, we'd gotten married, and, you know, and I'd had an encounter with the Lord. And so we were, in, we were going to church, and, and we got in the Baptist church there because the pastor was the, the chaplain on the football team. That kind of connected us. And so we said we'd go to the Baptist church. And, and, and I'd been gone for, you know, and when I went to church, I, I, I have to be honest with you, I, I was not raised to know much. Amen. Uh, they, sang, they sang the doxology, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Oh, I said, a ghost? There's a ghost in here? Playing? I didn't, I never heard a Holy Ghost, okay? Hey, first Sunday they had communion. I had to ask Bonnie what they were doing. I'd never been at communion service. I said, what are they doing up there? What's that stuff? She goes, it's communion. I said, okay. What's communion? She goes, you know, the bread and the wine. I said, they serve wine in this church? 
I got saved. I thought we weren't supposed to do that anymore. <laughs> she goes, no, it's, the, it's, it's juice and bread. I said, well, why don't they call it the bread and the juice? <laughs> she goes, I don't know. Just listen to the pastor. He'll tell you what he's done. <laughs> Amen. So you can tell I, I had very little church or anything. I never owned a Bible. I never, I didn't read a Bible. We, we Bonnie and I, uh, we could, some of y'all, the older you'll know what we're talking about. Some of you young ones just hang on. Praise God. But they used to have SNH green stamps that you could get. And we would collect them if you got certain places you get them, they give you SNH green stamps. And so we filled up a couple of books and we found a place where we could turn it in. We walked in there one day and for a book you could get a Bible. And we saw a Bible because I didn't know where you could get a Bible. I didn't know anything about it. And so we took one of our SNH Green Stamps books and got us a Bible so we could share. Hallelujah. And we started reading the Bible. Praise God. Amen. My uncle said, there's Christian radio stations you can listen to. And I went, Christian radio station? What they got on there? He said, you know, they have singing. I used to think, oh, God, I used to go to church sometimes. The mom, I hated y'all singing. <laughs> Why would everyone listen to that? <laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> you know, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Hallelujah. But then, you know, thank God we got to listen to some good stuff. Praise God. But I, I, I can remember going, and after about, you know, going about three months to the church, and we finally got a Bible. I sat there and started reading my Bible because the pastor sent me to go, it's so good to be a Christian. Hallelujah. And I'd sit there and I'd go, other than going to heaven, what's so good about it? Man, I tell you, I went through hell this week. And I, <laughs> there were I turns on the bads happening, and it's just awful. Jesus. And, I, and, you know, and so I thought, you know what? If it's so good to be a Christian, maybe I need to really start reading my Bible. And you know what? I started reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I started seeing Jesus. And I saw him healing people and delivering people. And you know what I did? Because I didn't have a lot of religious tradition. I just had a lot of sin I had to get out of. I just read and said, that's who Jesus is. And I just started accepting it for that. And then I, I, then I, I heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I, and I thought, what is this? And I went to my pastor, and he was a good pastor. He was a really fine man. We, we, we loved him very much, honest. And I, I sat there, and I said, Pastor Ron, what's this uh, baptism in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues? He looked at me and goes, where'd you hear that? Because <laughs> he knew me, because he knew I was excited, and I was pursuing. And I said, well, I saw it on TV, and I've been reading in Acts chapter 1. I said, you know, I know you told us not to read the book of Acts, but I had to. Hallelujah. <laughs> And I read Acts 1 and Acts 2, and they got this power, and this, so what is it? And so he said, well, Brother Darrell, he said, I guess I'd tell you, uh, um, it, 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 it'll take an old deadhead Christian and turn him into a fireball. <laughs> Boy, my eyes lit up. I thought, man, I'm already a fireball. What would it do for me? Glory to God. And so, and, and he saw my face light up, and he says, but we don't do it. And I thought, why not? We got a whole church full of deadheads up there. I mean, my God. <laughs> He says, no, he'll split the church. I thought, how could anything that good split the church? And so I said, well, thanks for letting me know. And from that point on, I began to pursue trying to find how to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, why didn't I get filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, we just shared with you from first, for that Colossians 1.9. Paul, after these people got saved, he heard their love, he prayed for them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. The knowledge of God's will. Because you see, faith comes by the knowledge of God's word. Faith begins where the will of God or the knowledge of God's will is known. Amen. You can't operate in something you don't know about. Amen. It's there, but you just don't know about it. 
I had a, I'd bought a car, 1982, bought a car, and paid too much for it, but I wanted it and let my flesh get the best of me, hallelujah. But it, it had everything on it, push button everything. Fanciest, most expensive car I ever had. I loved it till the first payment showed up, praise God. But anyway, <laughs> but it had all this stuff on it, but I couldn't find a cup holder anywhere. And I looked everywhere for a cup holder. I like coffee, so I was going to put my coffee in my cup holder and drive my fancy car. American-made car. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, Americans should make a car with a cup holder in it. But I couldn't find it. You know, I had a column here, and it had all the stuff in it. And so I would hate to say this, you know, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant still, Brother Hagin, you say. But anyway, I, I just let it go, and I was six months frustrated with my new car that had no cup holder. I even got so aggravated one day I told Bonnie, I said, I'm going to get a drill. I'm going to drill a hole in the dash and, and hang my own cup holder where I can reach it. She goes, you're not going to do it. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I said, I feel like calling the factory saying, why would you fix a nice car like this and not put a cup holder in it? So I'm driving, you know, frustrated. So one day I'm out there cleaning my car. And I'm cleaning the front. And it had little drawers down the front and in, in between the seats. And, you know, and I thought... What's this down here? I noticed a little lip hanging out. So I thought, I pulled it. Boom. Out pops two deluxe super-duper cup holders. Hallelujah. The fanciest cup holders I'd ever seen in my life. They popped out and rose right up where you could drive. I went, oh, my God. Right here where I can touch it. How many of you know that the factory didn't create those cup holders the day I discovered them? They were there all the time that I'd had the car, but I wasn't getting any benefits of them because I didn't know they were there. Only till I found out they were there could I actually put a cup in them and carry my coffee around. Amen? But you know why I didn't know they were there? When I, when I bought the car, in the glove box was a book. called an owner's manual and in that book it had an index in the back and it had dashboard features and down so far it said cup holder and if I would have opened up the book and read the book I would have known what I had when I got my car come on now if we would open up the book and come to hear the word, we would find out what we got when we died with Christ, was raised from the dead, and made citizens of the kingdom of God. And then we could actually function in it. Hallelujah. And it would work in our lives. But you can't operate in what you don't know. Amen? And so, so the, the Bible is teaching us who we are and what we are to do and, and how to operate. And look over here in, in, now in Colossians chapter 1, and let's look in verse 12. And, and, and let me show you what, what, what is yours and what comes with this new creation. In verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified. Look at that. We're qualified. Hallelujah. You didn't qualify yourself to do this. God qualified you. Amen. So the next time the devil comes up and says, you're not worthy to do that, just look at him and say, I'm not trying to get worthy, Mr. Devil. I'm not doing this because I'm qualified. I'm doing this because I'm carrying a card around with me that says I'm qualified, and I'm qualified because God qualified me. Amen. Hallelujah. God said I could do this. And if you've got a problem, go talk to him. 
Amen? Because me and you are not going to argue. I'm going to do what God said. So he says here, he gives giving thanks to the Father who is qualified and made us fit to share the portion, which is the inheritance of the saints of God, God's holy people in the light. The Father, look at this. Notice over there in 2 Corinthians 5, he said that was it God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. Look what he says. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. What is he saying? He's saying God reached down and took you out of the kingdom of darkness, took you out of the authority and the control of the devil and sin and everything else, and brought you over into his kingdom and placed you under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Listen, folks, when you got born again, you changed systems, you changed citizenship, you changed kingdoms, and you change who your king and who your authority is in your life. Amen? Satan and sin stopped ruling in my life, and Jesus and righteousness started ruling my life. Amen? God did that. That's who we are. Now, look what he does. Here's how it happened. Verse 14, in whom, in Christ, we have our redemption through his blood. Redemption, the, the, the price that has been paid for us to have everything before. Redemption means to purchase. Amen? So he has purchased all of this. How did he do it? In whom we have our redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of sins. The Greek actually says the remission of sins. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, he didn't just forgive you. He blotted it out. Wiped it out. Amen? And you've got to understand something. Everything else in these verses operate because of verse 14. Are you hearing me? You see, you and I are blood covenant children of Almighty God. You know that whenever Jesus was born into the world in Luke's gospel, it gives the account, the angel comes and speaks to Mary, and she and, and angel, angel starts saying, and that which is born of you is of God, and it's going to be holy. And then he says something along these lines. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Oh, you got to get hold and say it again. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Meaning what? That which is being born of you is the coming king. And this king that is going to be born through you is going to be a representation of the human race. And this human that's being brought into this world is going to be deity and humanity reunited again. And he is going to take upon himself to conquer the kingdom of darkness and reinstitute the kingdom of God. And when he establishes his kingdom, there will be no enemies, no power, no authority that will ever be able to topple his kingdom. And his kingdom shall be forever and ever and ever. So when I make Jesus my Lord, I come in to a kingdom that shall see no end. Hallelujah. There's no enemy, no power, no nothing that's strong enough to topple the kingdom of God. That means if I walk with my king, I don't care what the other kings say. Are you hearing me? Because my kingdom is greater than that kingdom. Do you know that Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all sickness and all disease and casting out demons and devils? You know what he was doing? He was demonstrating that the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of darkness. Do you understand that through the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I have been brought into healing, and healing is greater than sickness if we know how to release it? It has to be. Because if healing in the kingdom of God is not greater than sickness in the devil's kingdom, then we can never get healed. Amen? God's provision is greater in the kingdom of God than enemies uh, need in the kingdom of darkness. If not, how could God ever supply our need? Amen? 
And God's power to move mountains has to be greater in the kingdom of God than the mountains in the kingdom of darkness. Or we could never speak to the mountain and it would be cast in the sea. And see, Paul is trying to get the church to get a hold of this because God has showed it to him. And all I'm doing is coming in here watering the soil and, and, and the, of the seed has been planted just to remind you that you are citizens now of the kingdom of God. And you have a blood covenant with Almighty God. And somebody says, well, what's so important about that, Brother Huffman, that, that I have a blood covenant? Well, I'll just share with you. In, in, in Hebrews 9 and 10, the Bible talks about the, the old covenant and the new covenant and the old temple and the new temple. And in, that, in those teachings there... Moses is, is teaching the people that whenever they would bring the instruments of worship into the old temple, they first had to be sprinkled with the blood of an animal. Now, why did they sprinkle those instruments of worship with the blood of an animal? Because no matter how skillful the craftsman was, no matter how uh, pure the metal was that he used, you could never, a man and a woman and a human being will never create something that's totally 100% perfect without flaw. You can't refine it down far enough, and you can't make it by your hands perfect enough. There will be something in there that's not 100% pure. Are you hearing me? God is perfect and pure. You cannot bring an imperfect vessel into the presence of God to be used for worship in his presence. It won't make it. That's why they would drop dead if the high priest went in and had any flaws in him whatsoever and had been cleansed so he could go into the presence of God. But what does God say? He says, take the blood of these animals, sprinkle the, the, the instruments, bring them in, and there will be instruments of worship. Why? Because when they were sprinkled with the blood, God ceased to see the flaw and only saw them as covered by the blood. And he saw that instrument through the blood as perfect with no flaws. And he accepted the worship from it. The Bible says that we aren't sprinkled with the blood of animals. We're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now, if sprinkling a lampstand can make it acceptable in the sight of God, how much more would a new creation washed in the blood be able to worship God in his presence and God just sees it that way? Are you hearing me? God no longer sees you in your flaws. He no longer sees you in your struggles. He sees you washed in the blood, which gives you access into his presence. Now, some people say, now, Brother Hubman, you shouldn't preach like that to give people a license to sin. Oh, you'll sin enough without a license. This is, no, no, no. No, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking to people that want to walk in the reality of the redemption in Christ and realize the importance of understanding their blood relationship with God and the covenant they have with God. And then he says, because of that blood, you're qualified to partake of everything God has. Isn't that good? I can go into the presence of God today without guilt, inferiority, condemnation, insecurities. And I can come in and say, Lord, I'm coming this day through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm standing on my covenant with you. And I enter into your presence. And we re we're received of God. Amen? Amen? Every one of us today have that privilege. Every one of us have that right. But we've got to walk in it. Amen? Amen? What do you have to do? You have to discover it, and then you got to do it. Amen. Even after I found those cup holders, if I'd have just left them alone, they would have still done me no good. Amen? Amen. I'm going to tell you what I did with those cup holders. Everybody that I knew, I'd get them in the car and say, what's this? <laughs> They'd pop out, and I'd go, you ever seen anything like that? 
you know what? I dealt with sickness and stuff, and I would, you know, go along, even playing ball, going to college, I'd have to fight through some colds and stuff. And I remember we got full of the, you know, we got the word, we're starting to get in the word and find some things. And a friend of mine gave me a bunch of scriptures on healing. You know what I did for about three days? I memorized every one of those scriptures from the Old Testament right up through the New. And I meditated on them. Pretty good for a young Christian that hadn't gone to Ramah yet, Amen. And I was, I was just meditating on, meditating. And you know what happened? The revelation of healing got in my heart. And Bonnie and I had been down to Tennessee, back to Tennessee. A friend of mine had played ball with. He and his, they were getting married, him and his girlfriend, now his wife. And we were, went to the wedding. And then we were going back to Virginia. And I'd been meditating on this all the time. We were down there. And we were driving our little car back through, up into Virginia, Tennessee. And we were driving along. And I looked over at Bonnie and I went, I'm not going to be sick anymore. And she went, what? Now, she didn't say what because I stunned her. She said what because I was driving a 1971 Ford Pinto that had more duct tape on it than original metal because I had not gotten the revelation of prosperity yet. Amen. So I said it again. I'm not going to be sick anymore. She goes, well, well, that's nice. I said, no, it's not nice. It's the word of God. And I don't care what the devil attacks me with. I believe the healing is greater than sickness. And I believe I receive my healing. And I'm going to walk in health from now on. Amen. So you have to grab a hold of it and choose to walk in it. Amen. Let me give you one last set of scriptures. And we're going to finish with this. And then we're going to minister to the Lord just for a second. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus shows us how to release our faith and get this done. In verse 13, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? He wants to know what the world's saying. What's people saying about Jesus? You know, everybody, they've got everything to say about Jesus, don't they? You've got to be cautious. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some others, Jeremiah, the prophets, whatever. But Jesus looked to him and he said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood does not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say it to you, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, shall not be strong to its detriment, shall not hold out against it, shall not be able to overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why did he turn to Peter whenever Peter spoke out, you're the Christ, and call him blessed? He said, because flesh and blood didn't give it to you. Peter, you're not saying this because you heard others say it. You know why your faith won't work? You can't say it because you heard somebody else say it. Come on. You ever been there? I prayed every prayer, said every confession, did just like I saw Brother So-and-so did. I didn't get it. That's because you can't get blessed saying what others say. Even if they're saying the truth. Are you hearing me? I can't let others' words be my words. Peter didn't go on what they said. He didn't go on what the world was saying. He didn't go what the other 11 disciples were saying. He got a revelation in his heart. He got it in his own heart. And out of his own heart he spoke. You see, faith is of the heart and of the mouth. You've got to get the revelation of God's word and God's will in your heart. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on this. You're going to get the revelation of who I am and what I can do. And it's going to be so real in you, you don't care what anybody else is saying, you're going to say what I say. You know where we got to get to? 
We've got to make Jesus so real in our heart. It don't matter what others are saying. His lordship comes out of my mouth. Jesus is my healer, and it's so real in my heart. You can tell me I can't get healed. You can tell me God's not going to do it. You can tell me he doesn't do it anymore. But you can't stop my words because I'm going to speak out of my heart what God said about me. Because God qualified me to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. But I've got to partake. And how do I partake? i got to get it in my heart and get it in my mouth. Are you hearing me? And notice he said keys, plural. Meaning what? There's a key to healing. There's a key to prosperity. There's a key to your family. There's a key to your home. There's a key to your work. Everything you need in the kingdom of God, you're qualified to partake of it. And Jesus said, I'll give you the keys to every one of them. Don't just use the key of the front door. Amen? Use that key of the front door. Take it off, put it in your pocket. I won't need that anymore because I'm not going back out. Then pull the key off to the baptism of the Holy Ghost and use it. Put that back here and say, I'm not going to go, go. I'm not leaving the Holy Ghost either. Then pull the key out and say, oh, healing. I'm going to keep that one on there because I may need that off and on. Amen. Then key the family. Yeah, I'm going to leave that one on there because, you know, I've got to keep, keep my family strong. And I'm going to get the key to prosperity. I better keep that in honor because, you know, the way the economy is, I might be going today, might not be tomorrow. I'm going to have to have God tomorrow just like I need him today. Are you hearing me? How would I get that? You get the revelation of it. Get the revelation of it. See, folks, here's the thing. John chapter 8, verse 30, 31, 32. The Bible says, okay, come down. The Bible says this. Jesus was teaching and says, and as he taught the word, many believed on him who heard the word. They believed because of the word. Amen? Then Jesus turns to those who believed on him and said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. So we can say it like this. If you continue in my word until it becomes the truth in your life, the truth of my word will set you free from the lies of the enemy. Are you hearing me? Come on. The truth of my healing power will set you free from the sickness that's trying to destroy your body. The truth of my peace that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds away from all the stuff that's trying to bring you down. Are you hearing me? The truth that if you'll serve me, I will take care of your home, your family, your kids, and everything right down the line will begin to work in you. But you just got to become my truth. Are you hearing me? See, all the disciples had an opportunity to say, I don't care what anybody says. Jesus, you're the Christ. But you know what? Peter was bold enough to step out and do it. And you know Peter wasn't perfect because he got in trouble just a few verses later. <laughs> Which means what? We are going to need this every day of our life. Amen? How many of you can relate to Peter? One moment, you're moving mountains. God's patting you on the back saying, yes. Not too long after that, the Lord's turned around saying, you're of the devil. Don't do that. <laughs> That's wrong voice, wrong spirit. But you know what? Some people say, yeah, but I just don't know if I could make it, Lord. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, you go tell my disciples I'm going down to Galilee and Peter. 
and I'll talk to him there. Isn't that good? Even though Peter struggled and showed us true Christianity, because there's no perfect Christians, but there are righteous Christians. And we have the keys, and we're qualified. And you're not going to make every move exactly perfect and right. But if you keep moving towards God, you're going to get right. And we're going to grow, and we're going to mature, and we're going to have victories, and we're going to fight battles, and we're going to be overcomers in this life. Because we are new creations in Christ Jesus, and old things have passed away, and we're going to keep them dead, and all things become new. Amen? Hallelujah. Come on. That's who we are. Praise God. Amen. Just bow your heads with Let's just pray for a moment. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing this truth in our lives. Lord, we just thank you for stirring within each and every one of us your truth and your will and your word. Lord, thank you for renewing each and every one of us in who we are in Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for helping us and working with us. Lord, thank you so much for not giving up on us. Thank you for always being there with us and for us and reaching out with a, a hand of grace and love. We just thank you, Lord. We just praise you today, Lord. And Lord, I just set my faith in agreement that we will not live in our past. We will not live in who we were, but each one of us will live in who we are in Christ. And I thank you for it. I praise you for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes, amen. I invite all the new creations to just stand and join with her. Come on. Come on, all the new creations, just go ahead and stand up and lift your voice to your Lord. Come on, we're a new creations in Christ Jesus. If you're a new creation, come on, just stand up in your new creation. I'm standing up in a new, I'm walking in my new creation. I'm living in my new creation. Come on, come on, just, just begin to speak it out. Come on, just dare to speak it out. Begin to believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, find your cup holders today and celebrate them. Hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, we're going to use our keys here. Don't want to go too long. I said short-winded, praise God. I said I was going to close twice, but every preacher gets three closings, so don't worry about it. Praise God. Uh, no. I shared in the early service, you know, how do you make this real? Well, we've received the spirit of adoption. And I teach a, a message on receiving the spirit of adoption. And I teach it from the spiritual and the natural. Because I'm an adopted child. Hallelujah. Whenever I was two and a half years old, my biological dad, who wasn't a good person, uh, my mom was two weeks from delivering my baby sister. And he left us with another woman. And I saw him twice in my life. And he was probably married and divorced six or seven times. And was always doing reprobate things and he died in sin and didn't want anybody around said he didn't believe in God I found that out two years after he died so I never knew him but you know people tell me some things about him and stuff and so I said I don't want to be like that I, I, I want to 
do something with my life. So at an early age, at 12, I start. But you know, sin will come in, and you'll mess up and do some things. And, but then, I, and then the Lord got a hold of me, praise God, and, and, and Bonnie and I are serving the Lord. But you know, how many have found out that you can be going with God, and the enemy will still try to come in and throw some bad things at you? Amen. So I'm driving through. I'm, 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 I finished Ram. I'm pastoring a little church, and I'm driving through the town one day, just having a bad day. Anybody had a bad day besides me? I mean, you know, okay. You know, it's one of those days where it's raining inside your car and it's sunshine outside, but anyway. And I'm just kind of just feeling, you know, just kind of aggravated. And the enemy gets in. And he starts saying, well, it's a good thing you're preaching because you couldn't ever do anything else. In fact, you'll probably mess this up because after all, like father, like son. And I heard that. And I, and I thought on it just for a moment. And about that time, a loud, strong, authoritative voice, not that same voice, but another voice, spoke just, I'm, that thought, and this voice, the second voice goes, shut that thinking up now. I swerved, I mean, it kind of shook me. And it was God speaking to me. And the next words that came out of his mouth was this, that's right, like father, like son. But now I'm your father, and you're my son, and you're like me, and you can do everything I called you to do. Now, don't ever think like that again. And I tell you, boom. Hallelujah. Sunshine came into my car. Birds were singing. Hallelujah. Because the revelation of who I am in Christ became more real to me than the revelation of anything in my past. And I'm here to tell you today, that's where we're at. Don't let the world determine who you are. Don't let the world's voices tell you what you can and cannot do. Don't let your past determine your future. Jesus is our Lord. Amen? Jesus is our Lord. Glory to God. Come on, give him another shout of praise. Give him a shout. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Now, here's what I want you to do. He gave us the keys of the kingdom. I don't know what you're going through right now. I know that, that uh, uh, you know, our pastor... She shared some healings and stuff. She prayed for that. I want you to hook up with that right now. Some of you others got some things going on. And you know what you need to do? You need to use the keys. What better place to start than in here in a congregation filled with the Holy Ghost and start using your keys than have to wait until you get out there and do it on your own? So while you're in this corporate anointing right now, I want you to just close your eyes. What are you facing right now? Jesus said to speak to your mountain. He didn't say talk about it. He said speak to it and tell it to be cast into the sea. That's, that's, that's how the thing works. You've got to believe in your heart and say it with your mouth. What are you facing right now? I want you to face it as a new creation. I want you to face it as a child of God. I want you to face it right now as a, one who is in authority, a new creation. I, whatever it is, I want you to look at it. And Jesus said, I give you the keys. Whatever you loose shall be loose. Whatever you bind shall be bound. I want you to bind that out of your life, and I want you to loose God's anointing to come in and break that thing right now in Jesus' name. Come on, do it all over this house all over this house. Father, right now, I set myself in agreement with each and every one of us. Lord, we use our keys, and right now we bind the enemy. We break his power. We call this thing finished in Jesus' name. This attack is defeated. And Lord God, we lose the anointing of God that destroys every yoke, that rolls every burden away, that brings forth victory. And Lord, we speak to these mountains and cast them into the sea. And we release our faith and receive the anointing of God, bringing your very 
presence into this and your provision. And Lord, we thank you right now that you are turning everyone's captivity and bringing us into that place of victory. And we receive it done right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you believe it so, come on, give him praise. Just start thanking him. Come on, praise him, praise him, praise him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And listen to me, it don't just work in the sanctuary, it works in your home, it works on the job, it works in the car, it works with your family, it works in every situation, amen? Let's walk in it. I've enjoyed